Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yee. Yeah, that's where the sound come from. Where the sound, though? I have beans in my teeth. Okay. <laughs> you waited for recording to tell me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't bother me until I started mm. talking a lot. Oh, your beans. Into the microphone. <laughs> your beans. I have half a burrito here. Uh, welcome. <laughs> to Hysterical History. Uh, sponsored by beans. <laughs> Burritos. <laughs> All, if you ever buy a burrito anywhere, use our code. <laughs> yeah, use our code. Um, not actually sponsored. Not and actually you'll sponsored. get nothing. <laughs> you'll get nothing. Uh, I don't know. Beans are pretty cool. This is bad. Yeah. Welcome to Hysterical History. I'm Haley. I'm Alexis. And we're a funny podcast. Sometimes. Um, podcast. <laughs> I think podcast was the first Comedy word I Comedy history <laughs> podcast. Comedy history podcast. Oh my Ooh. gosh. Comedy first. History <laughs> maybe third. <laughs> uh, what's the middle one? Like cream filling? Um, nougat. Nougat? Nougat's pretty good. I like hard nougat, but I know a lot of people don't. Mm. It's not good as a filling. No. Um, what's in Three Musketeers? Uh, it's it's like <laughs> air, aerated... Chocolate? I don't know. It's like marshmallow chocolate? I think it's nougat. It's just very soft nougat. Okay. That's what I want to be. Yeah. That's my favorite one. Oh, I hate it. It's so boring. It's so good. I need, I need I, more texture. I shouldn't say it's not my favorite one. It's like my second favorite. It's like my childhood favorite one. Twix sure. are my favorite. Twix are good. Because I love caramel and I love some crunch. Some, yeah. See, it's got to have the crunch and mm-hmm. Three Musketeers has no crunch. But I want the crunch to not be from nuts. I don't like mm. when there's nuts up in there it's, secretly. <laughs> the day we're recording is National Nut Day. Hey. <laughs> we're um, just nuts about nuts. Nuts. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to see if I hit the trending page on Twitter. Nuts. And it's just people being like, mm, nut. These nuts. <laughs> nut for nuts. And they're like, I'm going to nut. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> Could you nut? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so oh, before we start, I wanted, I wanted to read our email and yes, our reviews. Absolutely. We got... One email and two reviews. Uh, so thank you, people who did that for us. I'm going to do reviews first because they're shorter. Our, and both of our reviews were good. How nice. <laughs> and they, uh, reading them just because they were uh, so, they got it. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, you got it. You understand what we're trying to do. Perfect. Thing, every time I tell Haley that we have reviews, she always goes, uh-oh. <laughs> Because she's always afraid now. Even though most of them are good, she's always afraid that they're bad now. Yep, you gotta so, you gotta brace for impact. So, I was like, no, they're both really good. So our first one is called because you can put a title. It's called really just the best. Which Aww. I was like, already, I'm like, great, <laughs> five stars, really just the best. What a kind which person. Which is from Meg Dolan, but it might be Meg Dolan, like Megalodon. Ooh, Megalodon. But not actually Megalodon. It's not spelled that way. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Meg Dolan said, I came across this podcast accidentally while looking for something casual about Joan of Arc. And I'm like, man, you found the most casual you, episode mm, of Joan perfect. of Arc ever. <laughs> we are like the sweatpants of comedy podcasts. <laughs> so true. Um what I didn't realize was that my podcast life was about to change forever. <laughs> That's so cute. This podcast is absolutely hilarious, and listening to it feels exactly like I'm out at the pub with my best pals talking smack about history, which is exactly how we want you to feel. Like, that's so good. I kind of want to put it on our business cards. <laughs> yeah, we'll pay you for it. 
not only do they have great fresh takes on old classics like Joan, they cover bizarre history like the history of deferential nipple sucking <laughs> and more contemporary history, Tour de France, anyone? Basically, what I'm trying to say is this podcast is rad in caps. So are you. You're rad. You are also rad. And if you don't, or if you like weird history and enjoy discussing the ridiculous bits with your friends and laughing till you cry, this podcast is for you. Get it. Get it. Get it. Mm, get it. Get it. Thank you, Meg. I loved it. You're great. It was wonderful. It was so kind. <laughs> you're so kind. I was like, I'm going to, I like, I read that. I was like, I'm going to cry in this hard time. You're such it's a beacon beautiful. of wonderful. And then there were two. Yeah. Two good ones. <laughs> The next one is titled My Favorite Podcast, which, like, geez. Wow. That's a (laughs) lot. If there was any, like, better compliment besides the first one, which says really just the best, (laughs) it's someone saying my favorite podcast. Yeah. Which are, like, pretty equal, but, like, Uh, We're honored. Yes, You're very very nice. You're very kind. Uh, And that was from Alex324 with two X's. Alex324. Which says, this podcast doesn't feel like a podcast. It makes me feel like two girls at a bar are telling you about this crazy story like they were there. I love how I don't feel like I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the best. Uh, I I love how I don't feel like I'm learning something. I just listen to them on my long commute and actually laugh out loud in my car almost every episode. No other podcast has made me laugh like they do. They are awesome, and I wish there was an episode every day. Also, all the bad comments are stupid. (laughs) If you don't want your history podcast to be full of humor, you probably shouldn't listen to one called Hysterical History. Uh, You guys are amazing. Ooh, it's fair. Truth bombs. Ooh, dropping truth. And also, like, a little bit while I read that, I was like, this almost sounds like one of us wrote it. Which, like, I love because it's it's so nice that it's almost too nice that Mm -hmm. it becomes suspicious. And then also it's like, all you haters, back off. (laughs) It's lovely. Oh, beautiful. So thank you, Alex324. You're great. And then finally, we got an email Mm -hmm. from our friend Canadian Jill. Mm, Canadian Jill. What up? You a beast. And Jill sent us, hey, ladies. First, I wanted to thank you for Canadian-themed episodes you did after my first email. The Jumbo one was super sad, but I'm so glad to know that or know about that part of our history. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's a pretty big bummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all animal movies end in the death of the animal, usually. Have we? I guess not Dumbo. People, I think animals die in Dumbo, though. It starts off super sad. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it has, should be. It has, like, Jim Crow law jokes oh, in it. Oh, yeah. It's rough. <laughs> Anyone remember that? I the crows it. who are uh, Jeb Crows are black. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's a great movie. I haven't watched it in ages. It terrifies me. It's sad. It is sad. Anyway, have we done any Canadian episodes that weren't like uh, very like depressing in some way? My, I did the one about Brother Twelve and the Canadian cult guy. Okay, so we have like he was hilarious. Murder cult. Yeah, I don't think they were murdering Elephant people. who died and, and he ser- left secret serial treasure. killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and serial killer. True. <laughs> Mine left secret treasure. Mine was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jumbo, like, they just ate him and he died. Like, he died. <laughs> but, like, he's an animal. They just ate him, you know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they ate the serial killer, too. Mm. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
Secondly, I tried so hard to figure out how to review your podcast because I don't have iTunes, but it seems Stitcher has recently changed formats and no longer includes reviews. I really want to let the world know how much your sense of humor about historical events makes learning about them much easier. I've listened to all your episodes, so every time you release a new one, I pounce on it. So far... Oh, so basically... You know, you're lovely. Thank you for wanting to review us so bad. We, we appreciate everybody who like is like, can I review you anywhere else? Because iTunes not to work right. for me. And I totally understand because I don't use iTunes either. Right. I understand completely. I don't like iTunes, even though all of my products are Apple because <laughs> I just am too basic. But um, if you go to the Stitcher website, I don't know about the app because I don't have the Stitcher app. But if you go to their website and then you go to the top searchy bar and you type us in I'm doing it right now to give you perfect instructions <laughs> if you go and you type in hysterical, hysterical history and the hysterical lady are the only ones who come up and so we're the first one and if you, you can see us there there's like stars you can give us um, right underneath the name of our podcast and if you scroll down, it like sometimes it takes a minute to load but if you scroll down to the bottom it'll be like load more episodes and then underneath that it says show ratings and reviews and it says, be the first to review this show. And if you click on it, it'll bring it up, and you can put the review, and you just have to, like, give them your email, I think. And that's it. Um, but you, like, put a nickname, put your email, and I think it's just for them to, like... It says it won't display your email, and it's just for them to, like, send you garbage that you can ignore. Mm-hmm. Uh, or to, like, be like, look, it worked. <laughs> So that's how you can do it on Stitcher. And on my computer, that works. So I think that that should work for everybody as yeah. long as you're online. Maybe it's just like an app thing. It might be an app thing or it might be a phone thing. Like if you mm-hmm. try with your phone, sometimes like the phone versions of websites don't have the same capabilities. Like, yeah, functionality. So as long as you can do it, I think on like a tablet or like a computer, you should be able to do that. Um, and, but, we would, yeah. and we would love if you could, but if, like, you can't get it to work, like, we understand. We're not mad, and we appreciate right. that you just wanted to do it. We still love you. You're still sexy and awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can share on Twitter or Tumblr or Facebook. Yeah, uh, talk to people you know. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's you can just good. review us in real life to random people. Right. <laughs> Yell it loudly on the bus, and... You can be the new podcast critic and be like, this is my favorite. Yeah, this one's good, and all the other ones are bad. <laughs> But enough about how awesome we are. Anyway, back to the email. <laughs> but the, if anybody wants to do it on Stitcher, that's how you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it works. I didn't do it because I don't want to review our podcast like a douche. <laughs> this maybe, is a test review. <laughs> we're the best. Um, maybe I'll try to do it on someone else's podcast so that I can yeah, make sure it works. True. <laughs> but anyway, um, back to the email. So far, my favorite episodes were Turk the Chess Robot and the Olympics with the Deadly Marathon and the guy who stopped to eat peaches and flirt. (laughs) Too funny, which Uh, I appreciate that one of your favorite episodes is Turk the Chess Robot because that's like the fourth episode or something. so early. That's lovely. And I remember learning about that and being like, this is crazy. (laughs) But like, and I really like it, but I feel like I couldn't listen to it now because that was like when we were in separate places and when I didn't know how to edit and it would be severe on my ears. Honestly, just bless you that go back and listen to the early ones. Yeah, we've had a lot of downloads that are clearly people like catching up and we love you. It's amazing. You're so nice. All of you. When you get here, shout out to you people catching up. Yeah, you're our favorites. You're, all of you. All of you are our favorites, but you are also favorites. Okay. Now, <laughs> the reason I'm writing to you is because one of the other podcasts I listen to, which shall remain nameless, Ooh. they say in the email, 
covered a historical figure who I think you two should know about and hopefully do a podcast about because I think you could do a much better job than they did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. We don't know who it is, so we're not throwing shade to anyone. And no. I appreciate that they didn't even tell us because we wouldn't have said it anyway. No. Because we don't want to be mean to anybody else's podcast, right. but I'd rather just not even know. I don't want to know. Talking about. I'm not going to look it up. I probably, I mean, I think you're going to probably do that one. Yeah, because um, the topic sounds amazing. It's It sounds very... Uh, it's weird because there's some things like that I'll think of as like an episode, but immediately mm-hmm. I'll be like, Haley, you should do this because mm-hmm. it's like you already know more about it or something or it just seems more up your alley for whatever reason. Right. And like this was one of them that immediately I read and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I was like, Haley should do this. <laughs> Haley, I, get this in is, here. This is one that I want to be told <laughs> instead of tell. Yeah. Yeah. I get that sometimes. I'm like, oh, this is great, but I really want someone to just tell me about it. Yeah. Please do I don't want to read. Me. I don't want to read about it. <laughs> Don't make me do it. <laughs> Someone else read it and tell it to me as a bedtime story. Exactly. But they said, I'm sh- uh, I'm so sure you'll find him just as hilarious as I do. Uh, I'm not going to say who he is or what he does, but he sounds hilarious. And we we both were like, oh, yeah, he sounds mm-hmm. great. But neither of us have ever heard of him, and it's very exciting. I'm very Because that's one of the best things about this podcast, I think, too, for us, is that, like, I didn't know anything about Turk Chess Robot until I, like, randomly was looking up weird history things. And then right. I was like, how about this robot man? And I'm like, this is crazy. History is so and vast. It's like, that's real. There's so much weird nonsense right. in it. Right. And so... Like, there's, if you guys ever think of anything you want us to cover, please email us because, like, there are so many things that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And I would just love to learn about because history is so weird. And it involves Hitler. Fun! <laughs> Yay! Everyone's favorite! Uh, so, said, I, I, so I beg you guys to do an in-depth exploration of this guy. I swear you won't regret it. By the way, it's Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. This, post was, this email was from a while ago, and then I was gone for like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And I mostly am the one who checks the email, so I'm very sorry. I still need to reply to you, Jill. But you're great, and I love you. You'll hear this. You'll hear it. Yeah. We, we love but you, But I'll Jill. also reply to you, actually. Yeah. Uh, I just keep forgetting, because I'm like... Failure. We're we're, people, we're just people too. We're just people too. But it was Canadian Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago, um, and they said so. Gobble gobble. Take care and much love, Jill. Ah, uh, beautiful. So thank you, Jill. Also, I love that the title of the email was ridiculous historical figure. Hell yeah, our favorite. The more ridiculous, the better in this house. <laughs> under so, under this roof, that's who we love. We love the ridiculous. We stand the ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. What are we talking about, Haley? So uh, today, thank you for all your history suggestions. We're yeah. we are continuing on our our spooky travels. Ooh. Our October spookathon. Scary. Spoopy. Spoopy. Scary. <laughs> Boys becoming men. Men becoming wolves. We are. We're going to talk about wolves Yay. today. Yay! Werewolves. 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 Uh, but this is French werewolves, so they're extra yeah. like wee oui, wee oui, French. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sexy werewolves. Yeah, uh, in like those little French uh, maid costumes. <laughs> yeah, that's how. You, that's how you know they're French. Yeah, werewolves. And they're wearing berets. <laughs> they're wearing berets. Kind of smell like one smoke like cigarillo. Yeah, is. they've got a really long cigarette <laughs> and a baguette under their arm. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the Beast of Gévaudan. 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 Uh, which is. I mean, nowadays people really love it because it's like, oh, what was it? What was the beast? Yeah. What was the beast? Was it a man in a fursuit? Was it a Teletubby? What? Was it what Bigfoot? Could it, was it Bigfoot? Who could it be? But it's interesting, and I love it because it's 
It's kind of the story of how French politics and religion and society all came together in a big cloud and created a werewolf out of almost nothing. That's amazing. And it's like, ah, tell me more. Tell me more. I want to say up top, I know I'm sure all of you are like, why is Haley telling Alexis about French history? What's happening? (laughs) Uh, First of all, I don't know all of it. Uh, Yeah. And second of all, I, I, I think that's it, really, actually. I just don't know all of it. and <laughs> We're just you, people. You know more about this than I do, actually, I think. I, like, even before you started researching, I think you knew more about it than I did in the first place. And most of what I know about it is from Teen Wolf. Yeah, we... <laughs> I just yeah, I, I was gonna say that we see you, Teen Wolf people. Hey, we see you and your terrible French accents. You, so, oh, I mean, not that I'm gonna be trying to do much sure. of an accent, but no. I'm also not like a paid professional. To if you have any words, I'll try doing. to assist you. Uh, but I've been told by French Canadians that my accent is passable. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone knows they're the they're the experts. Yeah, uh, especially according to the French. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love them. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Alexis loves French history, but I love monsters. Yes. So I, I'm super into... All about in, the cryptids. I'm super into the cryptids. So the the basic story is that something or some things were terrorizing the French countryside uh, in the pre-revolutionary years, 1740... No, 1764 to 1767. Mm-hmm. Okay. Virtually all the victims were women or children, hmm. uh, and they were attacked while they were out tending flocks of animals, and they died grisly, grisly deaths. Spooky deaths. Spooky deaths. One study estimated there were around 200 attacks in all, with over 100 deaths. Oh. The numbers fluctuate a bit, but it, uh, everyone seems to agree it, it was around 90 to 130 deaths. That's a lot. It's, it is a lot. That's pretty severe. Uh, and there would be, because it's not constant over that time, they'll have like weeks or even months where there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there'll be four or five deaths in like a couple weeks. I'm, I'm immediately, I'm smiling at Haley because when she's like, there's periods where nothing happens. I'm like, oh, there's period where the murder has cooled down. <laughs> yeah, weird. exactly. Weird. Oh, it's weird. Like, yeah, stuff's happening. I'm going to go uh, oh. digest and mm. have a baguette and a, a <laughs> espresso. and Yeah. Think about what it means to be a werewolf. (laughs) Then you go back to killing shepherdesses. It's it's fine. So to kind of set the scene, this uh, Gévaudan is a former province. It doesn't really exist anymore. Nowadays, it's mostly like wildlife preserves and national park areas. They have a lot of national forests in France. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Think for like the size that it is. Right. Uh, Comparatively to the overall area of your country. Yes. It's a lot, which is great. Yeah. But it's the mountainous region kind of south of France that sort of connects the Pyrenees and the Alps. Okay. So that, that mountainous rocky region kind of just continues along the south part of the continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, think more Disney, Beauty and the Beast, Forest, Mountain nonsense than like, oh, we're like famous and we have to go see our movie premiere in the south of France on the beach. Yeah, yeah. It's not that south of France. It's like the dark, creepy murder south. Oh, dude, I know. People on their bikes in the tour all the time up in the mountains <laughs> in the south. And then the werewolves get them. Yeah. Then no one talks about it. Yeah. So... It was a detail I left out of my Tour de France episode. <laughs> oh, that dog they hit or whatever. <laughs> the dog they hit. That was actually a werewolf. That was the beast. <laughs> it's just like, oof. <laughs> just 
falls over. My puppy! I know this isn't actually for this episode, but if you if you want to laugh in like a way that like a dog does not actually get hurt, watch tour like just type into YouTube like Tour de France dog crash. Oh baby. And it's like the person runs into the dog, which like you feel bad about, but you're yeah. also like, why isn't your owner holding on to you? Why are you in the race? And letting you be in the road. You're not a cyclist. And they get hit by the cyclist, but they're we like the cyclist falls off their bike, I think. Their wheel bends to a ninety degree oh. angle and the dog just gets up. <laughs> It's like, oh, what happened? Oh, I'm here still. Because it's like, so it's clearly not hurt at all. It's just like, what? And the, and the guy, like, his bike is he's, broken. He's over. It's, it's done. He's got to get the car to come bring him a new bike. Oh, and it's wonderful. It's so, so, so that was probably a werewolf. They, they got kind of doofusy in the later years. <laughs> just dogs now. <laughs> just like golden retrievers, like, hi. Right, like the world has gotten in such a way that they're like, being a human isn't fun anymore. I just want to be a dog. I know, they're just like us. They get depressed. They get overwhelmed yeah. by national news. They're like, I just want to fetch a ball. It's like the Hulk. When It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Banner was just the Hulk for like years because he was just sad. Right, He's exactly. like, I can't deal with it, so I'm just going to become the monster and not think about things. Yeah. Except and then he comes back and he's like, what year is it? The monster is a small puppy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> much uh, better than becoming the Hulk. Much, much bad, especially wonderful. So we're, uh, we're in the 18th century, mid, mid-18th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, and France is just coming out of the Seven Years' War, which is not good for them. It's, uh, <sighs> it's not. People in North America know it better as the French and Indian War. Yes. Uh, and on... This side of the pond, they basically, like, lost all their land to uh, British forces. Yeah. Like, they lost all their Canadian stuff. They lost, like, most of their, like, Mississippi area that they didn't end up selling later. Right. Uh, but it isn't any better on the continent when where they're fighting mostly Prussia. No. Like, this is the war where Frederick the Great, like, really comes into his own, and Prussia goes from being, like, the less good Austria to actually being a power worth noting. The Seven Years' War is almost like, it's like the building precursors to, like, world wars. Yeah. And that it's like, because we're so many places now, it's happening in many different places. Right. So it's not good. It's not good. Uh, and then that ends in 73. Mm-hmm. And, like, the killing start in 74. So it's, like, right uh, on right on the edge. Sure. Uh, but, uh, like, I just... It's important because it really affects the, the, like, mental aura of the country. Yeah. So to speak. Real bummed. Uh, but, like, there's one, there's one battle that only takes about an hour. It starts at 3.30 and ends at 4.30. <sighs> And it's, I want to say it's one of old Fritz's better generals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Prussians lose 500 men uh, casualties, and the French lose 5,000. Oh, gosh. Including a lot in of their... In an hour. Are, in an hour. That's so severe. So the French uh, country morale is real low. I mean, that makes sense, because the revolution's about to happen, too. Yeah, we're it's like... Just, we're at the pit of despair. Mm-hmm. We're like we're still like 30 to like 20, 30 years out from the revolution, and already the nobility's like, if we can't pull out of this, the monarchy's done. Yeah. Like, already we're they're... It's, it's really bad. And the king's not... He's floundering economically. He keeps upping taxes because they can't make up any of the money they've lost. Louis, come on! Uh, it's real bad. Stop letting your wife gamble so much. It's, it's a wrong Louis, but... I mean, it's like all, none of them are great. They no. all make mistakes. No. It's bad. Uh, it so, just gets worse. <laughs> it just, it gets so bad to the point where they can't ignore it anymore, and they just call it the reign of terror. Like, 
That's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they just stopped kidding themselves. Yeah, it's bad enough to call it a reign of terror. Have I told you that I read, so I have a book my mom bought me, I think, of, like, famous speeches in history, Mm -hmm. and I read one of Robespierre's that's in it. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, while I was reading it, I was like, no, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Like, like once you, like, read it for, like, meaning, you're like, whoa, pretty Mm -hmm. extreme. But, like, the way he's wording things and thinking about the time period, I'm like, no, I understand why people would be like, yeah, (laughs) sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. He's a good speaker. It's great. He's good. Very charismatic. Very Mm -hmm. murdery. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's the politics and, you know, kind of Versailles is floundering a bit and, yeah. um, no one's in like a really good mood in general, animal attacks are very common. A lot of the country is still very rural, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the Javodan area where it's very mountainous. They don't have any farming area, so it's all herding. Right. And that's why it's mostly women and children. They're smaller, they're easy targets, and they have to go out alone into the wilderness to go herd the sheep or whatever. Yeah, one of the many positive side effects of Napoleon being in charge was that they got a national road system. Yeah. Which would lead you to assume that currently they don't have one. (laughs) Right. Which means right now they are bereft a road system. Yeah. Among other things. (laughs) Uh, But there are thousands of deadly wolf attacks across France from the late 16th century through 19th centuries. Sure. It's not like this just comes out of nowhere. In fact, the first few deaths are really unremarked upon. People, it's like, it's sad, but it's not extraordinary enough to, like, make it into a pamphlet or something. It's just the local bishops being like, oh, it's sad. I mean, when you live out in the middle of nowhere, like, that happens. Right. One rural historian put the number of human fatalities in the early modern period uh, closer to, like, 9,000, with the 15 or so years around the Gévaudan incident averaging about 100 deaths per year for the whole country. Okay. So, though, that, like, 100 or so deaths for that one it's like a 50 mile radius uh-huh. is still a lot. That's staggering comparatively it's, to 100 for the entire country. It's bad and it isn't any better because they're like alone, they're out like where no one can help them. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can just call the police and be like no. so people are attacking us and we don't know what to do. You're on your own. It's really bad. Especially when you're that far from like the, like the center you know, like the like the political center yeah. and like the economic center of France is Paris, and if you look at a map, it's pretty center north. Yeah, so it's like they're a long way, almost away. as far away as they could be from like right. actual proper like civilization comparatively. Right, uh, the Javodon area, it's it's way closer to Spain or Switzerland, Switzerland yeah, than it is to Paris. Right, which is terrible, and yeah, it doesn't help because they doesn't can't help, help you. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit about a few other things that are going on. The uh, the kind of cafe, salon, information sharing infrastructure mm-hmm. that is probably better known for helping to take down the government and the revolution is really getting its foot in the door, like getting its claws sunk in. Mm-hmm. They uh, make a deal with the postal carrier so they don't have to pay postage for delivering papers anymore. Okay. So basically, like, any pamphlets and newspapers and journalists, right. it just is flooding the whole country. Nice. And it helps this incident become not only a national craze but an international ah, craze. There are people that's in... why we know about it. Like in the colonies who are commenting on it. England's oh. in on it. Frederick the Great is like reading the pamphlets. He's like following along at home. And after the war and Seven Year War ends, 
the journalists are like, man, now we don't have anything to like write about. Right. So when the deaths start happening, they're it's like hitting gold. Oh yeah. Now they have something to talk about. Journalists are all about what is happening right now. Right. It's it's mass media. It's viral. It's, right. Uh, so that's why that's like some of the factors of why this incident, even though it is worse than usual. Yes. But it's not like crazy. as as crazy as maybe it was warranted as people thought it was. Right. People let their imaginations get maybe a little bit out of hand. That's so exciting seeing like um, modern day media occurring. Exactly. Like that becoming a thing. Like like you right. like you can pinpoint almost a moment when Europe becomes like a continent. Yeah. Instead of like a group of countries. Mm-hmm. People and, are like, connected that's now. Exciting. And it's so cute because later on, like once the deaths and the attacks are in full swing, people will start writing into the newspapers yeah. with like their theories on what, what the, who the killer is oh and like gosh. how you can it's catch like him. Yeah, it's like forums. It's like people calling in uh, like armchair detectives. Yeah. And they're like, I know exactly what it is. Based on all of these clues, I know it's a hyena. Amazing. And other people, uh, <laughs> people are like, we don't have hyenas. <laughs> we don't have hyenas, idiot. <laughs> but that's another factor is because uh, the like natural uh, philosophy and exotica is such a big thing right now. Like this is the time of right. uh, Carl Linnaeus and organizing like animal taxonomy. This is uh, like uh, we haven't talked about him, but Antoine Lavoisier, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite French hotties of the world, <laughs> yeah, is like chemistry's big, uh, but just like trying to categorize the natural world is very big. They're discovering yes. like dinosaur bones now. That's kind of this period, and right. they don't really know they're dinosaurs yet. Uh, but it, they're in this between area in the early Enlightenment of. Yeah. We we don't really have proof of mermaids and griffins and uh, like dragons and stuff, but we're not ruling them out yet. Yeah, like they could be real. They could be real. We just want some proof. And based on things like two-headed calves and like birth defects, yeah. people are like, you know, hybrids and weird mutations do exist. Yes. So who's to say what's out there? Right. That there couldn't be like a chimera. Right, and Why that's not? that's one of the big theories is that it's some kind of weird hybrid Ooh, that's that fun. they've never seen before. And I that's like why it. they're so sure that there's only one killer ah. is because if it is a hybrid, in their minds, like, hybrids can't reproduce. It's just a one-off between one parent and another parent. Right. It's a sterile it's like offspring. A, like a mule. Yeah. Yeah. So you go through this and it's, or like, lighter. clearly, like, the entire country has an enormous wolf infestation. It's a problem. But yes. no one really stops to consider maybe it's multiple killers until, like, the third year. Like, what? It, they get they get into it. Okay. So 1764, about a year after the war ends, people in the Gerardin area start experiencing attacks from something. In June, a 14-year-old girl is attacked and killed, and she's the one that we don't have a lot of documentation for. Locals don't seem to uh, have seen anything unusual about it. Mm. You know, sad, but, you know, they're not calling the newspapers. Right. In early August, a 15-year-old girl dies, and a 16-year-old boy follows by the end of the month. Both violent attacks while they're working in the fields. Then in the month of September, there's a string of four more deadly attacks in a row, including the first adult victim, a woman who died only a few feet away from her house. Oh. Which is, it's it's so, it's one of the worst things to me that you can just, like, be right outside your front door and that's, like, where you die. 
or you're running yeah. back to your house and it still gets you. And it got you. And it still gets you. And like, well, I was going to say earlier, like, I feel like one of the reasons we don't have as many like wild animal attacks now is because like one, there's so many of us concentrated in yeah. places. So like they don't want to be there because mm-hmm. it's not going to be good for them and because we've killed right. a lot of them. Right. The population is much, much lower. Right. Uh, they they kind of reintroduced wolves into France in like the late 80s, okay. 1980s, yes. I should specify. Uh, but even now there's only like around 300, 400 wolves in all of France, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. No. Compared to, I have the numbers at some point. Right. It, it's, it's a lot. Wait, I have a question. Yes. Are, is this typical as far as like demographics of people who die from wolves in France normally? I think so. It's normally children and women? Um, yeah. Not men? Not usually men, because they're okay. usually bigger. I don't think they're right. as um, as, as uh, tempting of targets. Sure. Although the numbers are probably skewed when it's a rabid wolf, because once it's rabid, like, it, it don't give an F. Right. Uh, but as far as, like, animals hunting people, I assume it is, like, smaller people. And right. just not only because they're easier targets, but because those are the people that are out alone in the uh-huh. fields. Right. Uh, because nowadays we tend not to use children as, like, sheepdogs. Yeah. And we have, like, gates and stuff. Well, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, I'm thinking about, like, predatory animals. And yeah. it's, like, if they're if you're going after, like, gazelle, like, you're going to pick sick ones. Yeah. Slow ones. Mm-hmm. Small ones. Right. Because those are the easiest ones to get. And they're slower than the livestock. Yes. So if anyone spooks, you're going to be the last one, like, there. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's... There are other clusters of wolf attacks in France in the same years. Right. I should note. Like, even, like, north of Paris, people getting attacked by wolves. I think that one was rabid, though. Oh, okay. Which, in a way, is worse because everyone who gets attacked pretty much dies, whether they live or not. Yeah, because you get rabies. Because <laughs> uh, they get rabies. And, and they can't fix it. no one survives that. It's, like, 100% death rate. Yeah. Uh, now, because they don't have uh, vaccines. Or Whoops. Whoops. They're, just, they're trying to science. They're just not there yet. <laughs> they're not there yet. We it, it, It's going to take a while. Yeah. So uh, the woman dies right in front of her front door. In October, we're moving into the fall. The attacks move northwest a little bit towards the mountains and start terrorizing neighboring communities. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, it starts to get really scary. That's when people are like, okay, it's not – this is going to keep happening. It's not just a one-off, like, rabid animal. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, like, after us. So I have a really bad knot in my hair. <laughs> okay, but can we talk about Alexis's hair, though? Oh, it's a... really bad. It's like, look at it. When that happens, I just, like, oh, I just got to cut it out. I know. Anyway, I'm going to try to ignore it. <laughs> okay, just don't comb your hair. I... Uh, this is not hair co- No, leave it alone. No, I have to. <laughs> leave it alone. You're the werewolf. I got a knot. It's true. I, my I... hair is all crazy. <laughs> Uh, so two big human players in the story I'm just going to introduce right now. One is uh, Etienne Lafont, a local government administrator and lawyer who knows the area well 
and is all around just a good soft boy. That's a wonderful name. He's wonderful. He's the mom friend of this story. Cute. Uh, when everyone's like, what's happening? He's like, okay, everyone organize. We're going to save the world. Right. It's, it's going to be great. It's almost like it was written and not true because just you saying his name, I was like, I love him immediately. <laughs> yeah. He sounds so adorable. He sounds wonderful. I and love he, him. he is. And he, he has such a good moral compass, it seems. Because mm. pretty much, like, if he doesn't like someone in the story, it's like, oh, because they're a jerk and they're Seriously. terrible. And if he likes someone, it's like, oh, then I can probably like them too. It's like sure. when you, when your good dog likes someone, you're like, all right. You're good. Hey, I trust, hey, trust you. I, so I trust you. Nice. And the uh, other one who quickly joins up is Jean-Baptiste Duhamel, a dragoon captain whose company mm-hmm. was stationed in the area. He's the first hunter-in-chief who uh, runs the hunts to get this thing. Okay. And he and LaFont stay in close contact through pretty much the entire ordeal. They're really cute. They're besties. They're super besties. It's really really cute when the government sends in new hunters to, like, take over when he doesn't get results. Mm -hmm. uh, Duhamel and Lamont are, or LaFont are, like writing letters to each other that sound like really nasty texts. They're like, I hate this new guy. He's he's terrible. It's like, I know, I hate him. You are way better. That's so cute. And it's really great. So the death toll is rising and people stop calling it just like a regular animal, mm-hmm. like small Labette and big Labette with capital B. Uh-huh. The big beast. And it's the beast instead of just a generic animal. People start mm-hmm. calling it monster, which at the time is it's almost like a technical term. Yes. It's like a creature outside of the natural order of things. Yeah. Something that we haven't categorized and can't explain. Right. It's not uh, because science isn't quite as established as it is now. Because, like, nowadays we tend to find our monsters in, like, the more fantastic or yes. the more concrete. Uh, so they're either, like, serial killers or it's Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, they don't, like, know enough about biology. So, like, monsters are, they tend to be more biological, yeah. I think. Like, from nature. I can think of as, um, this is way earlier, but I, all I can think of is Ambrose Paré mm-hmm. in his, like, what what is this book called? I think it's Of Monsters and Marvels. Yeah. And it's, like, him writing, like, all the weird things that he's seen as right. a doctor. And it's yeah. like, I watched, like I had this woman <laughs> who gave birth to 14 children at the same time. And you're like, what? Monsters. And I'm like, if anyone else was saying that, I'd be like, you're full of garbage. But, like, I believe everything you say. <laughs> right. This woman had a litter. It you have no crazy. reason to lie to me. <laughs> right. Why would, why would you lie? You're the best. Uh, oh, and I, I want to mention, too, uh, Duhamel, the Dragoon Captain, mm-hmm. is a veteran of the war that just ended. Okay. And it's a recurring theme of all the men involved that they, uh, they're like desperate to win their honor back after the war that was so devastating. Right. That's fair. So they, they constantly call themselves like gallant men. Uh, they want to prove that they're good men, yeah. that they can do this. Uh, so there is uh, maybe less than, you know, a good reason for them to downplay and rationalize what's right, happening. Right, because they want to be awesome. Uh, so whenever, like, a new weird rumor comes up, they'll get it. They won't deny it. They'll even hype it up. They won't question it too much. There's not a whole lot of critical thinking. Oh, Alexis is showing me her hairballs. <laughs> I got it out. Werewolves. Uh, And then the newspapers will get it, and it'll be a cycle. Right. So uh, the death toll's rising. Seven deaths over the summer. The attacks 
keep getting more brutal. A 20-year-old woman is decapitated in October. Her skull, they only find it after like a week. Whoa. Uh, Six children are attacked, all suffering serious wounds to the face, neck, or head. Four of them live, but the beast returns within days, decapitating and shredding the body of another 10-year-old boy. Hmm. It's it's like dark. Right. Uh, Do they have bite marks? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, some of them do. I mean, I assume the, um, especially the survivors have bite marks. Sure. Uh, the other ones, they mostly just talk about how it's like, oh, well, all their entrails are all over the place. Yeah. That's weird to me. And their, uh, their heads are, the heads being gone is the weird one to me. The heads are weird. The, um... Especially when, like, animals aren't obviously hunting for food. They tend to just go for the tasty bits and leave the rest. So going for the entrails and a lot of people, some people are like, oh, well, it was clearly, like, there was sexual assault involved. It's like, no, some animals just, like, eat the genitals. Sure. And it's not. Because there's, like, tender bits. And they're tender bits. And they're outside. Yeah, and they're outside. A lot of them. Um, Well, and I'm just like, the decapitation is weird to me. And, like, that they're not keeping them. Oh, like the animals? Yeah. Sometimes they do. It seems or they're I, like, I don't know. Like, because they're not more eaten? It doesn't sound yeah. like. Right, like not a whole lot of them. Some uh, some they do find it's like there's only bones left. Sure. Uh, a lot of these, I think they are, they're just found too soon and like people right. will chase the animal off. Well, and it's like lone wolf versus like wolf pack, which is why I think it's weird that they're not keeping, like, maybe it is just a wolf all by itself, but, Mm -hmm. like, that's not typical of wolves. Right. And even then, I feel like more of it should be eaten, and it shouldn't just be, have its head ripped off, because I don't, (laughs) I don't think wolves are smart enough to understand that that kills you. So it's like, Uh why are they doing that? Yeah, I mean, they'll go for the the throat. Sure. Neck, and that happens. But, like, to get all the way through that your head comes off. Right, and I then need. they don't find the head until later. <laughs> right, because that that presumes that they're like keeping the head with them. Yeah, which is like why? Mm-hmm. Like when you take the body with you, <laughs> I don't uh, get it. Who knows? I don't know enough about like wolf attacks on humans to say like what's normal or not. Sure, hard to say. But it, yeah, I was reading this. I'm like, why do they keep taking the heads? It's, is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Lafont tells people to travel in groups and only go out when necessary, <laughs> of course. Because there's a murderer. This seems uh, like common sense, but these are agrarian, basically still feudal communities. No, yeah. And it comes down to do we risk our lives or do we eat? I'm not laughing because like that's <laughs> the obvious thing to do. I'm laughing because that's what they tell you to do when there are murderers afoot. Right. And that's, like, what, it, that's what it's like. It's like I a serial remember, killer. I don't remember who they were, but there was like serial rapists. I don't think they were murdering people. Mm-hmm. In like Canada. Yeah. I don't remember their names. They talked about them on My Favorite Murder. And... When that was happening, they, like, would tell women, specifically, because women were always the targets, right. that they, like, had a curfew and yeah. that they, like, the bus would let them out wherever they wanted. Right. Because it was just like, yeah, we'll get you, like, right up to your door of your house. And it's it's like Extreme that. Extreme precaution. Now with wolves, even. Yes. Like, there are cases, uh, like, the one that comes to mind, I don't remember what village it was but in alaska they were having trouble with wolves oh yeah and before the town could like get a handle on it and fish and game could you know figure out a solution uh you know just like all their biggest like strongest dudes and like beefiest intimidating people are just like walking kids to you know wait at the school bus and no one's out alone you can't let the kids out to play it's not safe anymore 
People know. People know. Uh, do Amal and other hunters complain about the peasantry being lazy or cowardly a lot? But it's it's good to keep in mind that they're suffering from malnutrition and exhaustion on a constant basis. There are times when they'll show up for uh, like an assisted hunt and be like falling over because they don't have the strength to move. Also, big important point. Only nobility is allowed to carry firearms. Oh, gosh. So all the people dying are peasants. They're peasants. I mean, they're all peasants. Well, and I was going to say, like, being a peasant at this time, it's much better than being a peasant in previous times. And still, you are in a constant state of survival. Yeah. Like, you're only thinking about how can I, like, live. You Right. You can't afford bread. You're barely surviving with the food you have. You're probably being taxed. You're surviving on, like, alms from the church. You go out to guard your your flock of sheep when there's a serial killing animal on the loose, and all you can bring with you is, like, a stick or a bayonet. And all the rich people are like, gosh dang it, why don't you care more and help us? <laughs> right. It's not, it's a bad time to be a peasant, and then a couple years later, it's going to be a really bad time to be a noble. It's not a good time to be French at all. Ever. Do not be French ever. at this. Do <laughs> not be true. Do not ever. be French at this time ever. Uh, okay. 18th century. Don't be French. That's true. Don't but I'm going to say, I think being French now is freaking all right. Yeah. When you're not, like, being attacked by wolves constantly in the yeah. woods, it's it's fine. I've been to France recently. <laughs> it seemed like a pretty chill deal. Uh, so you're not allowed to have firearms. If a peasant is caught with a firearm, they're punished mm-hmm. severely. So, you know, cool. some peasants probably do have firearms, but they won't, like, bring them out. No, of course not. Uh, fear and adrenaline leads to all kinds of exaggerated descriptions of the attacker, and it just it just goes on. Physical attributes... From wolves, lions, hyenas, leopards, bears, their huge talons. Oh, their, my. Right, reports of it walking on its hind legs. They mention spark- Werewolf. <laughs> Werewolf. Werewolf. Sparkling, glittering eyes comes up a lot, which is coded. <gasps> Twilight vampires. <laughs> it's, which, yeah, it is. It's coded language uh, because werewolves are said to have sparkling eyes. Okay. So whenever they say, oh, and its eyes were, like, glowing, it's like, because it was a witch. <laughs> yeah. Is what they're they're trying to say through coded language. So when they're when they're saying werewolf, they mean they are meaning like when they say sparkle eyes, they mean like I think that was a human who turned into a wolf. Yeah. Okay. Or like something demonic is going on, something okay, uh, supernatural and not normal. Yeah, monsters. Happening. Yeah, it's some kind of monster, probably a loop guru or a werewolf. Yeah. Uh, they. Uh, let me see. Oh, those are all my notes on Linnaeus, etc. One woman who survives in December describes it to Duhamel as having six talons, powerful paws, and of course large and sparkling eyes. As the weeks and months drag on, each new failure to catch it just adds fuel to the fire as far as its reputation is concerned. Right. So the papers in Paris are going nuts. They're like, uh, bullets can't penetrate its hide, and it stands up on... Two feet, mm-hmm. and it it uh, hypnotizes with its eyeballs, and it wants the fat of young Christian children. Oh, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, virgins." That's, that's like super scary. Six talents per foot. Yes. Okay. I was like trying to figure out math for six total, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's right. Yeah, uh, but like yeah. normally they'd have four or five, I presume. Yeah, just like you know, normal, normal dog feet. Yeah. I mean, if it's a wolf, yeah. don't, they don't know. Uh, but yeah, at, at some, like each new failure adds fuel to fire. 
Uh, on one hunt, there's over 100 peasants tracking it, flushing it, and some people land shots, but it survives. So that's where the, oh, bullets don't work on it. Impervious to bullets. It's impervious to bullets. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forget about how completely inaccurate and terrible muskets are. Let's just totally yeah, ignore that. Yeah, and like that they're just tiny little balls. <laughs> And, like, if you hit, I mean, even modern time, like, if you have a high-powered rifle and you hit a deer in the wrong spot, it won't die. No, it's going to... It'll just run away. It'll run away. It might die later, but it's going to run away. you're not going to get it. No. So, like, they don't even have real good weapons. No, not really. So it's like, even even modern hunting, it's like, that doesn't mean just because you shoot it, it's (laughs) impervious to bullets. Right. If you just miss, dummy. You gotta hit it in the right place. Come on. So the beast is arousing a sustained fascination. Mm-hmm. The media is getting it. It's getting. It's growing. And it's just. It's huge in the national imagination. And then, but it, you gotta start lying <laughs> so that people will buy your paper. Why are you always lying? <laughs> Cause it's a lion <gasps> eating people lions. Anyway, it, Maybe. everyone agrees it signals the presence of some kind of. Strange foreign uh, exotic presence. It's mm. a witch or an agent of divine justice from God, or it's an unknown hybrid, or a werewolf, hellhound, or invaders from Africa, or something. Of course, journalists are sensationalizing. Yeah. Uh, there's one story uh, Duhamel and his hunters are chasing the wolf, and it gets away through a bog that they just can't chase it. it you know, it's, uh-huh. they get really slow and it gets away. Uh, and I think, like, maybe one of his men later, you know, kind of elaborates a bit. It's like, yeah, it, like, jumped over, like, some rocks or something and got away, and we just, like, absolutely couldn't get it. And the papers, uh, it, it kind of bounces around from place to place. Pe- papers, like, will plagiarize the hell out of each other. Oh, they yeah. absolutely do not Even care. Even now. Even now. Uh, but by by the end of this weird game of newspaper telephone, this beast has the ability to jump like forty foot high walls, and people now are using that as evidence to try and identify the species. Uh, I'm why I'm so mad. There's one like supposedly well-regarded uh, blog article for National Geographic where they're like, it is beyond a doubt a lion. I'm like, you don't have a body. You can't say that. No. Also, half of your evidence is from the newspapers that were lying. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, this is exciting because it's like showing you what model, modern journalism is like. And <laughs> yeah. it hasn't changed very much. hasn't really changed. Uh, so... Newspapers are having a day. The hunters are kind of having a day. Although it's, not, it's humiliating when they keep losing. Like the whole point is to get their honor back from the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use a lot of war language, like "oh, our our enemy," and it's the field of battle. And when you keep losing, it's like it's the war all over again. Gosh dang it, girl! You gotta win. We can't do nothing. <sighs> and uh, yeah, Duhamel thrusts himself out there. Uh, into killing the beast. Uh, and the longer it takes, the worse it gets. Like, if they killed it in, like, a week, no one would even remember this. No one right. would care. But, but it's, like, years. Right. And he's there working on it for a full, like, six months, mostly during the winter. So it's just the worst Ugh. weather imaginable. When they start getting desperate, he uses victims' remains as bait. Yikes. Which is awful. I get it. 
No, yeah. I get it, but... But the, being in, like, Catholic France... Ooh, it's it's not great, and not chill. after a while, the peasants will stop telling him that their loved ones died. Because they don't want him to use them Because they, they don't want him to use the body, Ugh. and so people keep dying, of and course. And the people who really care about religion are peasants, dude. Yeah. Like, the most superstitious and, like... Right, this is when the upper class are like, science is cool, and the peasants are still like, no, dude. No, dude, you're not, you weren't there. You're going to piss God off real bad if you keep talking all this science nonsense. It's a super witch, and I saw it. Yeah. Its eyes were glowing. And if I can't bury my loved one, (laughs) they're going to become the super witch. Right, it's it's so bad. There's one more woman who's ambushed between her house and her garden. There's a number of close calls on hunts, but none of them are successful. Uh, locals are getting uh, less and less happy. By the end of 1764, uh, Duhamel is aware he's lost the good favor of the locals, but also his, the officials, his bosses. Oh, yeah. Uh, in mid-December, another person is decapitated, and with a couple weeks, there are five more deaths, and a couple survivors. The woman describes it again like long fur, tail resembles a horse, six talons, the head is black, wide forehead, uh, muzzle is the length of a pig's, the mouth is extraordinarily broad, she says, like about a foot wide uh, from the portrait that she provides. Uh, And we don't, again, we don't know a whole lot about confirmation bias and like how they were questioning her. There's a language barrier because the peasant class speaks a slightly different form of French. It's like, you know, kind of pigeon-y French. Uh Versus the, you know, classic trained gentleman hunter Proper. soldier French. Yeah. And Duhamel is eager to confirm the beast's significance. Right. Uh, it's not that he's, like, necessarily thinking it consciously. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, if his superiors think that he's up against a monster of fantastic proportions, then he gets more time to hunt it. Yeah. He has a portrait done up, and it spreads through the area in urban newspapers. It goes viral, basically. One newspaper, one printmaker was really sassy about it, which I love. He's like, surely anyone who has the time to draw such an animal must also have time to shoot and kill it. Mm Hmm? What were you doing when you were looking at it? It's like... "Mm." Oh, really? Oh, really? Mm. How do you know exactly what it looks like? (laughs) If you can't kill it, you idiot. It, uh, there's a boost of interest, you know, when, once they start getting pictures and with the oh, articles. yeah. And in January... You don't have any more clicks pictures <coughs> get you on your articles? Right. you got to get them clicks. Girl. Girl, them clicks. Clickbait. Uh, in January, uh, Duhamel decides to focus on the beast's tastes in women and children and use it to his advantage. Ah. So he orders the village consuls from all the nearby areas to furnish his dragoons with... Quote, some old skirts and women's wigs. So the dragoons disguised as women can escort and accompany children who go to the fields to guard their herds. And then I'll pull out my gun. (laughs) Uh, Gather round, men. We are going to put on the skirts and the wigs. That's how we'll win the war. And then then we'll win the war. That's how we'll kill the (laughs) enemy beast. Which is so... I like in my notes, I was writing in my book, I'm like, this is amazing. And also so stupid. Yeah. It's like, I, it, 
the, the monster doesn't care what your hair looks like. It knows, Haley. It, you're still like a big, huge, right, beefy like, man. It's, it's about the size of your body, <laughs> right. not about your clothes. And it, it's so heavy-handed because when I first heard it, I'm like, that's actually kind of smart. Like, make yourself really small, dress sure. like a girl. Maybe they'll be confused. But And if you're with kids. Right. But they take the kids out with them still, like, uh-huh. anyways. Like, and they're going to get the kids. Right. It's like you're still using children as bait, and the peasantry is not about that. No. They're like, how dare you? Uh, and it goes on for a while until they finally are, they force him to stop. And then like a week later, the killings start up again. Yeah. Like nearby one of the village where they had patrols. So he's like, gosh, dang it. It was working. I, I had a plan. And then they pulled me out. And he's they like, pulled the plug. He's riding to LaFont like, why is it so hard? He's like, I know, I know, man, I know. It's terrible. Uh, so kind of their last hurrah is this huge multi-parish organized hunt that's 20,000 people. Oh, that's a lot. Which is a whole bunch of people. Of course, the newspapers will exaggerate and say it's like 40,000 by the time it gets to like a few different places. Of course. But uh, they don't really have any luck. A couple places are like, you're not the boss of us and we're going to stay home. So the beast gets away. They manage to get a shot in, uh, though it gets away. Uh, but they're like they're starting to hope. But then in February, the beast is at it again. Another fourteen, fifteen-year-old girl killed and decapitated. A villager noticed the beast carrying what looked like a human head as it headed towards the forest. Several of them chased it, huh. and it fled, leaving the girl's head behind, nod almost beyond recognition. Although they noted Ugh. her eyes seemingly untouched and stared out in blank horror. Great. Wonderful. That's the part I want to be okay in looking at me. The eyes. People are dying and the weather is worsening and the papers in Paris keep inflating the story. Uh, so the Beast is the biggest celebrity by this time. Right. Like, no one really cares, but I think they're like, the Beast? Have you heard about this Beast? It, honestly, like, we were talking about, like, you know, uh, lost the war and the mm-hmm. French Revolution is on the horizon. This probably, like, delayed it just because people have something yeah. else to focus on and worry about. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you have a common enemy. Right. It's, uh, you know, a good distraction. Yeah. And it makes the government look like, see, we're doing something. Right. We're helping you. Right. We care about peasants. Exactly. It takes them a while, but the crown does get involved because they're like, this is a great chance for PR. Yes. They pull out Duhamel, who isn't getting it done, and they send in two celebrity wolf hunters from Normandy. There you go. Uh, And they put out bounties on the wolf's head, like pretty big bounties, as well as some local bounties. So altogether, you could make quite a living if you brought it down. Right. Uh, LaFont and others are appreciative and sad to see Duhamel go. Mm -hmm. And he's he's pretty nice to the incoming guys who come in. Uh, but inside, he's just, like, seething. Of course. He's that like, was his mission he's in like, life. He felt like he was so close, and they pulled him out. Yeah. And also, the, the hunter... That's how it always is when you're, like, <laughs> right. investigating a crime. Mm-hmm. And then they I'm pull him so up. so close, and then they'll pull you out of it. You're off the case. Turn in your badge. <gasps> no. No, sir. No. But he does leave. The two new hunters are prima donnas. They are so rude to the locals. Prima donna. Uh, they are... They're so, like full of hubris, and they're like, oh, it won't be that bad, and they just, like, hang out in cabins yeah, and just, like, Yeah, because they haven't chill. freaking been here, and they don't know. Right. And it's... <laughs> Stupid. It's so terrible. I told you, like, American colonies are getting updates. Frederick the Great is like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And people start writing into the papers. One, uh, one publication 
gets sent an anonymous letter from supposed eyewitnesses, mm-hmm. quote unquote supposed eyewitnesses. Yeah, of course, all the eyewitnesses that uh-huh. live. Uh, witnessing the beast's cunning and supernatural ability, including those impressive jumping abilities of tens of feet in the air. But one peasant who saw it had the shock of his life when the animal turned to him in an audible voice and said, admit it, my friend, for an old man of 80 years, that's pretty good jumping. Like, what is happening? <laughs> it talked to you. It's like, gotta admit, it's pretty good. And he's 80? The uh, the wolf is, uh, yeah. No. I've, I was like, it's so. First of all, it's so jocular in a people way. People don't live to be 80 <laughs> in the 18th century. That's not true. Very this, much. Uh, the uh, Francois Antoine, who finally yeah. killed it or one of them, was like 70. He's not 80. Uh, not yet. <laughs> but he does live for. A while I'm after saying this. that's not normal. Right. And <clears throat> second of all, 80-year-old men can't jump. <laughs> I mean, that's, lie. that's why he's like, it. that was pretty good for an old man. I guess if he's a werewolf, mm. maybe I'm okay if he's 80. Yeah, witches can jump. It's fine. Witch, you can jump. The, the beast, uh, because of all the publicity, the beast enters the lexicon of, like, in the continent and beyond. It's used as a metaphor for Catherine the Great. Uh, oh. For English foreign minister William Pitt, who everyone in France hates. Uh, yeah. Uh, as well as, like, thrown out at, like, singers and actresses they don't like. It's like, oh, she's like a beast. And people are like, are you comparing me to a serial killing monster? It's like, uh, no, never. Me? Uh, yeah. I would never do that. It's funny you mentioned Rose Pierre because later, after this whole thing is done, uh, it's still in the local, like... Consciousness, like consciousness, enough that people use man-eating beasts to describe Marie Antoinette and Robespierre. So it's like everyone's getting a bit nice. of it. Everyone's getting a bit of it. Nice, but uh, it is international, which I said. The yes. London Chronicle wrote an amazing front-page feature on the Beautiful. beast in March. It is highly English, and the response is very French, and it has all sorts of bodily humor, and it's full of satire. It's like oh uh, late-night stand-up. It sounds amazing. Somewhat, it's like uh, Stephen Colbert getting up at late night and telling you about the news. He's like, do you hear about this beast? Nice. Uh, but in their story, the beast accidentally destroys a convent when it pauses to smell grapes in a vineyard. It farts, and it kills 144 people from the stench. Oh, my God. <laughs> When attacked by 14,000 men all at once, the beast flashes its tail and wipes out 7,000 in one go. Wow. So uh, clearly they're kind of ribbing France about the war and yes. losing, like, super bad. Uh, it, what douchebags. They're dying. I, it's really bad. They include the beast's jumping ability uh, when it jumps over a whole army and it, uh, like, pisses on the grenadiers and they all drown in the puddle. It's it's like good old South Park humor. That's so douchey. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, they write. It's like, it's like they're mad that this story from France is popular, like more popular <laughs> than anything that they've done. They're making fun and of so them so like, bad. They're so dumb. It's ridiculous. I know. They can't even kill one. And monster. I'm like, you know what's dumb is that first of all, you're being mean, and their people are dying. <laughs> and second of all. That, like, the reason you're doing this is probably because you're just sad that you're not, like, the most important person right now. <laughs> Has everyone forgot about me? Their their final write-up, this is, like, the zinger. Mm-hmm. The whole French army of 120,000 men rises up against the beast. 
And in a twinkling of the eye, the beast swallows up the entire French artillery and 25,000 men, in addition to countless flags, banners, five mortars, 22 brass cannons, and at least 100 small arms. But after its victory against the French, the beast hacks up by provoking its true nemesis. Uh, England. So, kind of. It's, as it's going through a village, it spots a kitten and it eats it. And this provokes the ire of the mom cat, who swats at it with her paw and kills it instantly. So they're like, uh, yeah, so the cat that killed the beast, which defeated the whole French army, is to make a triumphant entry to Paris, where it will be made a peeress of the realm. Mm -hmm. Uh, This article touches a nerve in France. I mean, why? (laughs) It touches a nerve. They call it dull and leaden. English journalists having fun at our expense in the English way. I'm trying to think of, like... (laughs) The modern equivalent. Hmm. I feel like this would be like somebody making fun of America about school shootings. Right. Like Almost. I, like I was saying, like, uh, like, a ser- like if there was a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, they're like, can you believe they can't catch this person? These idiots can, over here. Can you believe I can't catch And it's it? like, we're dying. <laughs> we died. People died. <laughs> People died. Maybe you shouldn't be so mean about People it. People died. Uh, and they're like, ah, they're peasants, whatever. Uh, it, uh, the French are like, I, I am unable to see the point of your sarcasm. <laughs> but the French uh, get the last laugh, or the last-ish, second to last, I suppose. <laughs> it it, it always is that it, way. It, it's hard to say, because they're so like married and angry at each other. It, it really goes back and forth. Such frenemies. Uh, but... The English, of course, are having this chuckle over France's weird <laughs> war with the beast. Uh, but uh, the French are like, it's really funny you say that because uh, you don't really have that great a handle on your colonies, do hey. you? You're going to have a really weird war and lose all your stuff, too. So, and we're going to we're gonna we're, help, we're them. Gonna help them. Yeah, just to spite you, <laughs> we're going to create a whole new country. We're going to make them spank you. And then then when we have a revolution, (laughs) they will ignore us entirely. They will not help because we are scary. See, that's the thing. Like, (laughs) you know, a lot of people cramp on the French about their, like, wars and stuff and say they're not good at fighting and stuff. My favorite thing is when people are like, the French just surrender and run away. And I'm like, yeah, when people have invaded their entire country and they are pushed to the shores, then they give up. How terrible of them. How terrible. What's wrong with them? Strategic retreat. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Because it's always like, it's like they're not cowardly. It's just like the dumb thing. But like, you know, then this happens, that happens where it's like they help us and then we entirely ignore them. And I'm like, maybe it's because no one will help them ever. Yeah. We're just going to stay over here and watch how this, as you explode. And even in, like, the French and Indian War, the only reason they lose is because, like, the English just have more stuff. Yeah. And they have the colonists to help them. And mm-hmm. the French don't. Right. They just have Native American tribes to help them. Mm-hmm. But so do the British. Yeah. And as we know... Uh, and they're busy at home. In American history. You know history. who's not busy at home? <laughs> England. England. They're just sitting on their dumb island. <laughs> Go in to fight when they uh, want to and stand home when they don't feel like you it. You can tell which country Alexis likes more. <laughs> you can tell. I like underdogs, baby. <laughs> so the prima donna wolf hunters are a complete disaster. Everyone hates them because they're rude as hell. LaFont hates them. Uh, he's, like, venting to Duhamel mm-hmm. in all of their letters. He's like, I hate these guys. You were, way, you were way better. And the beast keeps killing. Uh, March and April see another 14 deaths. 
to the 15 compared to January and February. There's tales of eight-year-olds being dragged out of villages. They find nothing but bones. A 30-year-old woman with her throat ripped out. Her father is clinging to her as she dies, and witnesses Aww. like have to struggle to drag him away from the body. That's so sad. It is sad. And Lafont has nothing but contempt for the guys from Normandy calling them human and appearance only. Wow. They're such a waste of space. They have such little regard for the people who are suffering. Like sociopaths. And Lafont has no time for it. Right. They're ordered out by May because uh, pe- like, people like Lafont are sending letters to Versailles being like, get them out. No. It's bad. Uh, and by the time they leave, they meet Francois Antoine, who I mentioned, who's the replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they dissolve into tears. They are, like, sobbing when they leave because they realize that uh, they've been shamed and they couldn't do anything about it. The like, pre-Madonna boys? Yeah, it's like maybe you should have tried. Yeah, maybe don't suck so much. Uh, there are some, some nice stories in all this. Yeah. There's a famous one of a group of boys and girls. One of them is dragged away by the beast. One of the boys kind of rallies the group, and they go chase after it and, like, get it to let go of the boy. Aww. And the boy is, like... Uh, he he becomes like the child of the court. The king demands that like his education be paid oh. and he be sent to a good military school. Wow. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's like really nice. He he ends up, I think, dying tragically young. Like he gets to like twenty two or thirty. Oh, I was gonna be like, and that boy becomes Napoleon <laughs> Bonaparte. No, but it sounds like he continued being like a, an upstanding, oh. very noble uh, young man That's when he nice. went when he went off to military school. Uh, there's a mother whose children are attacked, and she goes off on it. Kill it. That mama bear strength. Man, I wish it was, like, a, just a mom that killed it. I, I know. <laughs> All these big, like, important <laughs> horsey, yeah. you know, soldier boys mm-hmm. come, and then she's like, not my babies! Not my babies! Kills them. Uh, she, she jumps on its back like like it's a horse, she, and she's yanking it into her grasp, refusing to give up her kid. Uh, as a last resort, the papers say, she grabs the beast, uh, quote, at one of the most sensitive parts of its body. The, the Gazette de France neglected to specify the body part on which she fixed her attention. I wonder. Uh, but the courier discreetly noted that the desperate mother grabbed the beast by one of its rear legs. Uh, she gets exhausted and tries to chase which it. <laughs> which one? Uh, which one of the legs was it? <laughs> Shut up, courier. They're one of the more, like, trashy. Yeah. Uh, I want to say the Gazette de France is kind of the government-sponsored one. It tends to be a little more official. Sure. And the Courier is like a tabloid almost. Yeah, it's like National Enquirer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's exhausted, and she gives chase, and I think her older son and, like, the dog eventually get their kid back. <sighs> In the fall of 64, so it's been, like, over... Um, oh, no, never mind. So in the fall of 64, the tides is turning on how many killers they think it is. Oh. LaFont is starting to suspect, because he's such a smart, good boy. Yeah. He's starting to suspect that there's more than one, because there'll be a killing in one place, and then, like, miles away, there'll be another. And it's like, either it's witchcraft, or there's more than one. How it get over there, though? Uh, and it's, it's like, we think there might be more than one. He, I'm so proud of him. He starts investigating old archives for past events that may have been similar. Yes, boy. I'm like, you are the boss. Do your research. Mm. It's no surprise that he's like one of the few people in this 
whole ordeal that come out with his reputation better than when he started. Right. He does. He's a good boy. He does so well. But he does find examples in the 1630s, a calamity of deaths, just like the present day, sometimes by several wolves all at once. And I mentioned even that same year in France, there were like wolf attacks. They're starting to realize, despite the sensationalist papers and the fear-induced witness descriptions, just because the beast astonishes people doesn't mean that it has to be astonishing in its identity. Right. <clears throat> That's how you investigate a crime. It's great. You He's figure out if your killer has already existed. He's the good detective. Yeah. Uh, people are, like, debating it even now. But at the time, they're like, we got to figure out what this is. And the idea, they have ideas like it's an, it's an escaped exotic animal from someone's menagerie. Possible. Uh, nobility, like, like to collect weird exotic creatures. Yeah, just keep your own zoo. That's chill. Yeah. Uh, but no one mentions that they've, like, lost something. My lion ran away. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm missing a lion. Has anyone seen my freaking lion? And no one else, like, comes up to be like, hey, so my friend lost their lion a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, also, no, like, huge nobility live in Gévaudan. So it's, like, it's weird that a lion or hyena or whatever would have gone from, like, Paris all the way down and, like, waited yeah. to kill people. Well, and presumably people have seen it. Also, yeah, people have seen it. And if they're saying, like, and obviously I'm assuming most of them are seeing it, like, when it's dark, so maybe they can't see it well. But, like, if you're saying those boys rescued that other boy, they got, like, probably pretty close to it. Right. And the the consensus seems to be that, like, they're people who know what wolves look like, and they're a little, they're a little mystified by it, Uh, which could be fear. It could be just Mm -hmm. that it's a really huge wolf. Right. Uh, One of the theories that I am kind of leaning towards is that it's a wolf-dog hybrid. Okay. And so it's just like an extremely feral, big, uh, you know, weird-looking wolf. People note that it has, like, red fur, which is very unusual for wolves that are more, like, gray, uh, darker colors. Right. Uh, It's a giant fox. uh, Bordeaux (laughs) mastiffs have, like, kind of a rusty color to them. Okay. There are French uh, sheepdogs that have, like, extra dew claws, which could account for, like, extra talons. Uh, claws. Uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. It's all just, like, theories. Right. And um, I mean, like, yeah, some animals just have extra digits. Yeah. It's weird. And also, like, the fact that you got attacked and you happened to notice how many toes it had. Really, that's what you noticed? Specific. You noticed how you counted how many toes it had? So, the... Oh, so he, he finds in the record... I feel like this is going on a long time, but I have a lot to say. No, you're fine. There's, he finds a case from before the killing start, not that far before, like sure. 1762, like when the war is still going on. Uh, a shepherd boy noticed a beast or an animal near the flock. It seemed friendly at first, like it wanted to play so the boy wasn't worried. No. This proved fatal, and they buried him the next day. Yep. In another account, 1763, so just like a year later, uh, a beast or wolf calmly navigated through a flock of sheep who remained oddly unafraid in order to reach its desired prey, a 14-year-old shepherd who escaped only due to help from its friends. Right, like it's dodging livestock. Which makes me, it's like, is it like very like a sheepdog? Is that why they're not afraid of it? it? Sure. Because yeah, why else would they not be? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah. Most 
telling accounts, which if they are accurate, they know the just complete lack of fear, which even today is what really makes wolves dangerous is when they don't, they're not afraid of people anymore. Yeah. Uh, but that total lack of fear, uh, it, it seems very plausible to me that it could be like feral dog slash wolf. Sure. Something that's used to humans. Right. Something that's like used to humans. They explain why it has the different coloration, why it's like very fuzzy. They have one picture of it that's like, oh, it looks like a wolf, but it, it's like it looks like just a huge giant fuzzy sheepdog. Ah. Uh, but it has that no fear of people. So Antoine, the third chief hunter, he's like 70, I yeah. mentioned. So he's like silver he's granddaddy man. hunter. Hi. He has 50 years of experience as a hunter, and he gets to Jevaudan and says, I have never seen a country like this one. He gets there, and it's like a whole different world of like terror and mountains right. and little crevices where things can hide, and it's awful. All the same reasons that everyone else is having trouble. He's having trouble. The train's like, impossible. This place sucks. This place is the worst. This is the actual worst. Now I see why the guys who were leaving were like crying on my shoulder. Yeah, I was like, what's wrong with him? And now I'm like, I hate him. <laughs> should have known. It's like when you uh, get a new job and the people who are leaving with like their boxes getting fired start crying to you and they're like, yeah. Eh, and they're like, good luck. Yeah, good luck. And you're yeah, like, good luck. What happened to them? And then it's terrible. <sighs> it's for really you. bad. So, uh, the court at this point, Versailles is pulling back a bit. Uh, oh. There's a, a sense among the elite that they may have been putting too much effort into this. <laughs> and it. it <laughs> Even though they didn't succeed yet. <laughs> they didn't succeed. Because it, it's a bad precedent if it is wolves. Because you can't just, like, go throwing money at every wolf problem. Right. They don't want to send the message that just because, like, a couple people die, that the crown is going to personally send someone to go save you. Just because, like, a hundred people died. Right. And the newspapers are pulling back a little bit as well. So that works Kind of in Antoine's favor because he doesn't have the spotlight on him as That's much good. as the other people did. Yeah. Uh, and But it helps that he's very polite and considerate and he thinks about the peasantry and he's like, LaFon, are we giving these people like food? They are falling over. It's terrible. He's like, I know. I'm working on it. It's really tough. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, but everyone's pulling back just a little bit. Even Antoine is he, – he always makes sure to specify – uh, when he's talking about the beast, it's either the beast or wolves. He's kind of leaving his options open. Ah, I see. If it does end up being just a wolf, he doesn't want to have egg on his face. Right. But he's kind to villagers. He's not originally from nobility. His family's been climbing the social ladder okay. for about a century. Probably why he's nice. Uh, but this is his, this is his big break. So he also uh, doesn't deny it if people try to inflate the stories. Sure. Uh, so, Teen Wolf people, around late summer, hey. this is when Marie-Jean Vallée and her sister are attacked. And they bravely fight off uh, the beast with a bayonet. They don't uh, quite get the same treatment as the boy or the mother. Oh, weird. Because at this point, like, no one cares as much. Yeah. And also, she's a girl, so, like, who cares? Whatever. But Antoine and Lafont uh, request Versailles to, like, compensate her and care more. And oh. some people are calling her, like, the oh, she's like Joan of Arc, and she gets a statue and, you yeah. know, a role on Teen Wolf, so there's that. Cool. On the 18th of September, a large wolf... No higher honor than a role on Teen Wolf. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's like, you, your life is going to suck, but just wait. 
Mm, but just they're going to make a show about teenage <laughs> werewolves, and you're going to be in it. You're, and you're going to be pretty cool. You're going to have, like, a bow and arrow, and you're going to yeah. be, like, fighting. I mean, the person who plays you doesn't do a very good French accent, but, like, so you know, what can you ask yeah. for? Oh, what, what can you do? So, 18th of September, a large wolf, a female wolf, and cubs are spotted. Antoine and his hunters surround them, flush them out. Uh, and there's one just enormous wolf. Mm-hmm. Antoine says he mistakes it for a donkey at first. It's so big. Wow. Uh, but unlike That's earlier... It's quite large because people ride donkeys. Uh, it's it's big. It's like a big animal. Uh, he, uh, unlike other attempts, he gets a shot off. He hits it in the eye socket and sprays like the whole upper body. And the wolf drops. But, of course, that's not enough. The wolf immediately gets back up and charges him. Oh, gosh. And he pees himself, probably. <laughs> I imagine. All the royal gods <laughs> pee themselves. He has no time to reload his musket because muskets suck. Yep. Uh, Reinhard, a Swiss-born, his, like, second-in-command, basically, uh-huh. comes to his aid and fires on the wolf, which gets another 20 feet and actually dies. Great. So, Tales of the Kill quickly Woo! get hyped up from reality, but, like, it's dead. Everyone's very excited. They do, like, a mini autopsy on it, which is hilarious to read the accounts of, because, like, I'm sure it looks more like a wolf than it does anything else, but you can kind of see them slowly over the course of the proceedings. Be like, maybe it is a hyena, though. Oh. Maybe. I've never seen one, but this could be a hyena. Why not? <laughs> maybe. Uh, but let me give you the stats for its size. Please. Length of five feet, seven inches. No. So if you grab it under That's the... That's me. Yeah, if you grab it under the front legs and you, like, pull it up so it's, like, tails on the ground, it's almost six foot tall. It's no. It's really big. I'm five foot seven. Yeah. No. Uh, it's 130 pounds, so for... Last I heard, the world record for a... It's a great weight for uh, its BMI. Yeah, it's like BMI is in the perfect range. Wow. That's a fit wolf. 5'7", <laughs> 130, it is fit. Wow. Uh, the world record at the moment, or at least like a couple of years ago for a wolf, was 175 pounds. Oh. So it's 130. It's a big animal. Yeah. It has a height of 32 inches. Uh, so if... You want to think about the size. Uh, 32 inches is within breed standard for a Great Dane as far as height. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great Danes tend to weigh a bit more. So overall size, weight, uh, shape, think like Irish wolfhound or Scottish deerhound. Mm. We'll include some pictures. It's one of those dogs that is just too big. Yeah, I've seen them. They're big, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, You see people walking next to him, you're like, that's a horse. (laughs) Yeah. That's a horse. 100%. That's their pet bear. That's your pet bear. When it tries to snuggle with you, like, the human disappears. Yeah. And, like, (laughs) people love posting pictures of these dogs, like, rearing up on its hind legs with its uh, feet on the person's shoulders. It's like, (laughs) you're so big. But absolutely, if that's the size of it... uh, it's a huge animal. I have absolutely no doubt, you know, if something that size wants to grab a 10-year-old oh, alone sure. and drag it into the woods, there's nothing that's going to stop it. if I wanted to grab a 10-year-old. <laughs> Dude, I can't tell you the number of times I've grabbed a 10-year-old. I've and thought about it and been like, I could totally do this. <laughs> I could totally grab that person and drag them in. <laughs> I'm 5'7". I could totally do it. I could totally it. take a 10-year-old. I could take a 10-year-old. Hell yeah. Any day of the week. <laughs> I don't know. What if they're like a scary ten year old? No, I got 
Like modern day kids or fifth graders? I can take them. Fifth grade? I don't know. What if it's like a mob of them? I just, I mean, I pick them off one at a time, just like the beast. Mm, that's true, because like <laughs> I told you, that boy who was like, "We have to rally and save yeah. our friend." Groups of kids are t- scary. It's true. You, that's why you got to do them one at a time. So, uh, they. In case you want to attack some ten-year-olds. <laughs> In case you're uh, listening to this podcast for tips on crime. How to on commit attacking crime. children. How you too can be a werewolf. Uh, Isolate them. Don't don't do it. <laughs> Uh, so, so you two can be a werewolf. The, the the people who are doing the autopsy are like, maybe it is a hyena or a lion or a half leopard or whatever. <laughs> I like that they're saying a hyena. Hyena, yep. Yeah. Uh, and Lafont writes, uh, clearly it's a wolf. You're all ridiculous. Uh, idiots. They they very roughly embalm it and ship it to Versailles where it's put on display for all the aristocracy. Ooh. They're like, ooh, we got to see it. It wasn't and there when I was there. No, it uh, obviously was not. I mean, it was probably decaying then. I know. Uh, there's no way. There's no way in hell. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. They're not impressed. They're not impressed with it. What? No, because uh, this is after years of inflated fairy tale oh, stories, yeah. and they're like, "This is it." Um, that's just a wolf. That's just like a big dog. But because, like, we actually get it, we actually know how big it was, which is pretty cool, right? Uh, so, an English traveler, William Cole, describes it as no bigger than a large mastiff dog. Which, okay, but that's still mastiffs pretty are huge. That's pretty big, my dude. Mastiffs are huge. Just because Britain has unusually, stupidly huge dog breeds. Oh, that's a British guy? Of course. Yeah, he's a British guy. Of course. So they have, like, all the huge Mastiffs. They have the Irish Deerhound, Scottish, all the things. I'm like, <laughs> It's like an average size of a giant dog. <laughs> it's like an average like, dog whatever. size. And there's, like, all the French people with their little papillons and their, their pugs, and they're like, My tiny babies. Are you kidding me? What the hell? Antoine stays in the field to kill the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. A few months pass. And the killings start up again. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it didn't work. It's almost like there's more than one. It's almost like it's a human. It's almost like there's more than one thing involved. So at this point, the Crown and the public and the journals, everyone is kind of of the mind that locals are on their own. Well, that's kind of fair. It's kind of fair. But it's nice in the sense that they, they uh, LaFont and others in the area contact people who have had success killing wolves en masse before, and they have what they call the method. They use, like, capital letters. The and method. The oh method, which is basically poisoning them, like leaving a poison carcass totally. in the woods, and it takes care of the problem. Well, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. So LaFont planned to make use of this and arm the villagers and do an information campaign so everyone Aww. can, like, defend themselves. I'm like, this is the I best. I This is the best part, like, in enabling people to take care of themselves. With, Teach a man to fish some wolves. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wrote that in the margins of my book. I'm like, teach a man to fish a wolf. Do it. Do it. And so the informa- information campaign equipped locals with the know-how to address their own problems. I'm like, oh, this is so empowering. Oh, I love it. I'm so happy. And this is the beginning of the large state-assisted wolf hunting effort that uh, towards the end of the 18th century and beyond that basically like after um, – like the very early 19th century or like, you know, 19th century. Yeah. They really don't have wolf attacks anymore, which is partially because infrastructure is built up. There's more people, but also because 
They, like, got a handle on it. They kill a whole bunch of wolves. Poison is effective. Get this. No fewer than 99 wolves die between April 1766 and March 1767. Wow. That's almost 100 wolves in, like, one area. Right. And I told you before, there's, like, maybe 300 wolves in all of France today. Yeah. It, It is an infestation. But still, there are deaths. There's 24 deaths in winter, then five in a 10-day period in April and May of 67. Uh, In June, uh, the locals successfully hunt down another particularly large wolf, uh, which is still, like, huge. It's 109 pounds. It's not as big as the other one. That's human weight. It's still, like, human weight. Uh, And they kill it. This one is definitely reddish color, like reports claimed. And... Afterwards, it gets interesting. Like they have, mm. they have the the information program. People kind of know how to deal with their wolves now. Yeah. Uh, men of learning, like the Enlightenment, they kind of uh, like wash their hands of this in a way. Sure. They they all rush to assure each other uh, about how they all knew it was a wolf all along, uh-huh. and those foolish, superstitious women and rustic peasants led them astray. Uh-huh. And it's all just so they can save face. Yeah. So they don't look like an idiot. Right. So Voltaire, Emmanuel uh, Kant jump on the wagon. Voltaire. (laughs) Even Frederick the Great, they're condescending towards the whole spectacle of it. If you ever want to read about a French, like, 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 I feel like Voltaire is like the most quintessential, like, stereotype of a Frenchman. He's so French that the French can't stand him. There's a reason, like, when you hear about people being French, people go, Ugh! They're so like pretentious and full of themselves. <laughs> they're talking about Voltaire uh, specifically, right? Every time, every time he's the he's the archetype. He's like the mold. Yeah, uh, but he's so French that the French like kick him out of France for a long time. Yeah, which is great. They're like, uh, you're too much for us. Which is funny because he spends a lot of his time with Frederick the Great because Frederick the Great is an Enlightenment French fanboy. Yes, he's, he's like he's a Francophile to the extreme. He's like, hey, want to hang out with me? And Voltaire's like, I guess. I guess I can since my country kicked me out. You uh, super, super gay flute playing mass murderer. Yeah. It's wonderful. I like your potatoes. So Thank you. F- so French. Thank you. <laughs> the, yeah, the only person who can stand how French Voltaire is is someone who wants to be, like, who's so obsessed yeah, with right. France that they, like, are like, wow, you're like France the person. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're like the anthropomorphic personification of France. You, yeah, you are Hitalia France. <laughs> Or Italia, France. Yikes. Uh, slightly less fabulous. No, though. way worse. <laughs> uh, so the Beast of Gévaudan, I mentioned, becomes a byword for unsavory, undesirable political figures. Yep. It's, it's a punchline for jokes. It's uh, am I am Which, I thinking of like blue elephant or like something elephant? White elephant? Um, is, a, not, is a Christmas game? Not, not the Christmas game, but like it, it's something, it's a word for like when there's a big public work or like a big building uh, that a town or city might build and then no one uses it. It's just kind of an eyesore. Oh, I have no idea. I feel like an elephant is part of the phrase. Probably. Uh, 
But yeah, on the, on the eve of the revolution, it, it supplies to Marie Antoinette. Robespierre earns a comparison. It's all very self-congratulatory. Right. Placing. We, we do the same thing with like, if right. you ever hear anyone say in politics that anyone's like Hitler, there you go. There you go. We haven't freaking, gotten over that one yet. Freaking people making terrible decisions. It's, uh-huh. And placing the blame on people supposedly steeped in ignorance. Yep. Uh, and it becomes very decontextualized from the source. It's more just like a phrase. And the problem with decontextualized history, listeners, is that people are then free to recontextualize it however they freaking want. Yep. So later in the 19th century, I mean, it's kind of a problem, but it's fascinating. In the 19th century, it's uh, the beast is revived slightly as a gothic creature when oh, that's sure. in full swing, 1808 or 1809. There's a three-act play, just, like, very loosely based on real events. Mm -hmm. Very, very loosely. Like, it has a completely different ending. Uh, It's very allegorical of France's political history in the past 20 years. It's, like, uh, fratricide followed by social solidarity in the face of a foreign threat. So there's, like, nothing the emperor could be mad about Uh uh, at all. (laughs) You you don't want to P.O. Napoleon. (laughs) You really don't. You really, really don't. It's severe. In the late 1800s, there's an upswing in religious instability in France. Uh, Folklore studies is becoming a thing. So religious figures start pointing to the Beast of Javaudan, saying essentially that the peasants were right all along. It was a werewolf or a witch, something magical, and France brought it on itself by being sinful, and the monarchy uh, conspired to cover it up, basically. Whoa. And that wolves are just, like, the excuse. What psychos? Uh, Later, when crime becomes uh, focused on, like, serial killers, the theory that the killers were the work of a monstrous human gains traction. I mean, I understand. And I understand, and, like, part of me... Uh, kind of agrees. Like, I don't think that was the main issue. Yeah. But if you're a killer and there's, like, one huge target on, like, one uncatchable beast, like, why not take advantage? I mean, people do that now with, like, copycats. Right. Like, they'll become a copycat. They're like, well, I can do this. They're going to blame it on that guy. Right. And they're... uh, I don't know if specifically about this beast, but people... um, when they talk about, like, the the idea of werewolves and, like, people eating other people and beastly behavior, yeah. it's like, uh, maybe some of them were actually just, like, serial killers or psychopaths, and that was people's way of trying to, like, come to terms with it. Mm. Like, there's no way a human could have done this. Yeah. Like, a good Christian could have done this, so obviously there's some kind of, like, magic... Uh, Evil involved. Whereas, like, the modern equivalent is, like, they must have some sort of mental disorder. Exactly. But they don't have enough science to get there, so... Which is interesting, because werewolves are all about that moon, and we still call lunacy, like, madness. Yes. So that's interesting. And the moon is a lady. And the moon is a lady. Because she's hysterical and crazy. (laughs) Uh, So... The fact that the beast is only killing women and children is cast in a whole new light. They're like, oh, he was definitely after those kids. Oh, that's a man, all right. <laughs> uh, oh, he a man. Diabolical and or cannibalistic soldiers who are returning home and probably oh. laid waste uh, becomes a theory after World War II. That's fun. Isn't it? Like, people... Uh, oh, and like modern day environmentalists, especially like wolf advocates, tend to lean away from blaming wolves since, you know, of course, they don't want wolves to be hunted. The, like hunted. So they tend to prefer the hyena theory 
uh, possibly one led by a human trainer, hence why it was never reported missing. I see. But I, I love it so much because monster. this is why I love monsters. Monsters are pure culture. Yes. Uh, the monstrous body, there, there's a reason why Frankenstein was written in 1817 or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we didn't invent Hannibal Lecter until the 1980s. Monsters are constructs and projections of society's fears and worries. And, like, the harder you try to deny them, the more uh, power they get. Right. So, of course, you know, right after the Seven Years' War, monarchy instability, religious instability, something starts killing people, and it's just every everyone has something to focus on. Yep. And it's wonderful. I think that's why I'd be saying, bro. I think I think it's probably just wolves that they poison like ninety in a couple months. Just within sixty miles is completely absurd. Right, that's a ridiculous amount of wolves. That is way too many apex predators for like one region. Yeah, way way too much. Uh, and even if it was more forested than it is today. Uh, that's still like just way too much. Right. It, the the comparison to how many people live there, it's very severe. Right. Uh, but so it's either wolves, some kind of wolf hybrid, or a Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I've listened, listen. I've listened and studied the old songs, and they state clearly. It's Shia LaBeouf. Nodding in the woods. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> Killing for sport. Quiet, quiet. Eating all the bodies. <laughs> if you don't know that song, it's going to be really confusing. Uh, it's going to be confusing, but uh, we'll, good thing. We'll post it. <laughs> it's basically an oral history of the Beast of Javaudan. Also, I know this is really late, but I'm going to post um, pineapple architecture. Oh, my gosh. I haven't done yeah. it yet, and <laughs> I need you all to know that everywhere you go, there's secret pineapples. We went to a, a live showing for My Favorite Murder, which was amazing. Yeah, ladies. Uh, but it was at the Paramount in Seattle, and it's very, like, fancy and Baroque and, like, gold yes. leaf inside. It's a nice, old, beautiful theater. And we were looking up at the ceiling before the show started. I'm like, oh, there's a pineapple. Like, look at it. There's- I'm going to have to try to put it, like, through a filter, I think, because my <laughs> pictures are so dark because I was um, using flash. Uh, maybe I'll but do my picture. pictures, too. Yeah, I'll show you my pictures. But I'm just, like, yelling at it. I'm like, I can't believe there's pineapples everywhere. Everywhere there's you no, go. There's no escaping But it. I have some pineapples from my, my trip, too. That Ooh, I you, like, you, like, went back and found pineapples? I found some while I was oh in. Oh, my gosh. I found, I specifically, I was in, like, a... A pagan like Wiccan shop, and oh, like really? it's like in this really old building, yeah, because it's in like um, like a colonial kind of part of town. And upstairs, they had like little pineapple things. I have to show Amazing. you. Amazing. Well, that everywhere. <laughs> that is the tale of the Beast of Javudon. It was beautiful, and I love it. I and love it too. France, you make some of the best werewolves. Yeah, baby. It's it's really just wonderful. <laughs> Um, so much death. Just A plus. So much well done. So much lulls. High fives all around. LaFont, <laughs> <laughs> you are just a beautiful man. What a bay. What a bay. A real hero of this. The real hero of the wolf uh epidemic is the the little bureaucrat man. And you know what? It just shows you in France for every Voltaire douche, there's a real bay. There's a real bay down on the ground yeah. helping the people. You can just dig deep enough and find him. There he is. He's doing it. It's Etienne Lafont. 
Mm-hmm. Etienne Lafont, or if it's you know farther back, it's Ambrose Paré. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this in is in the future. Yeah. It's Napoleon. It yeah. is <laughs> Napoleon. Yeah, I mean, he helps a lot on accident. <laughs> so this has been hysterical history. Yeah. Sponsored by Beans, but not really burritos. Um, mm, I want to bring that joke back. This you should bring it around. I I woke up with such an intense need for a burrito. <laughs> They're gonna be like, I'm woke for burritos. No, I woke up with such an intense <laughs> thirst in my mouth for burritos that mm. I ordered one at like ten thirty in the morning, wow. and I was like, bring it to me. <laughs> so, are you open yet? And it open told me up. it was gonna get here at eleven. It got here at ten forty. Whoa! And he was like, burrito. Bye. <laughs> I know you have the thirst. <laughs> I was like, thank you, sir, but I barely made it downstairs in time to get my burrito. This is amazing. Uh, so. So that's the beast. Do you know what you're doing? Yeah. For your last no, spooky I thing? Don't. All right, so we got at least one more spooky. I have ideas. One more spooky app that Just Alexis is going to do. But uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank you for your hope emails. You were scared. Yes, thank you, yeah. Jill, for emailing us. Our email is hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. If you email us, we will read it out loud. If you, unless you don't want us to, and then include that in your email. Yeah, yeah tell us what you want. Yeah. And if you leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes, please email us. Tell us that was you. And then if you have any suggestion for an episode, tell us and we'll do it. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm like gonna to go through the emails that we've already gotten and start picking the ones that are going to be workable. Yeah. Um, because we haven't done them yet. But we're going to, baby. We're going to. We're we going to. we got a list. But first got to do a spooky. Yeah, spooky. Be safe on Halloween if you do Halloween stuff. Yes, and on Stitcher, uh, do what I said earlier. <laughs> and do what I said. And, you know, and don't be eaten by a wolf. Don't be eaten by a wolf. Wolves are wild animals. Yep. Not toys. Evil. Evil. Not really, but <laughs> scary. Spoopy Sperry. Boys becoming men. Men, men becoming, becoming wolves. wolves. Bye. 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 Bye.